Welcome to Stories That Matter, a podcast series that focuses on the power of storytelling. Why? Well, we believe that the best way to make people feel something is through the power of stories, and that by getting them to feel something, you've got more than a fighting chance of getting them to do something. In this latest episode of Stories That Matter, we were absolutely thrilled to chat to Matthew Gale, Deloitte's Director of Brand and Creative Content. If you want to appear human, you have to speak human, he says, reiterating one of Deloitte's seven principles of storytelling. During our chat, we try and unearth some of the reasons why professional services firms find it so hard to embrace creativity. As someone who does this day in, day out at Deloitte, Matt has a fascinating view on this and many other issues. If you're interested in how to tell better stories at work, this is well worth a listen. We hope you enjoy. Before we kick off, that um, you are um, the very first bona fide client that we've ever had on this podcast. We've uh, uh, tended to, and I've been very keen to to make this podcast series about the power of stories and the power of narrative uh, and the real power of storytelling. And, and so we've had authors and we've had explorers and we've had uh, all, all manner of people wildly unconnected to the world of business, actually. And so it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. And uh, I can think of no finer first business guest. Um, so thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks ever so much, Gary, for the introduction. And uh yeah, looking at your kind of list of uh, guests, I feel very, very lucky to to be on with you. Um, so I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, me too, actually. Uh, the only thing I'm slightly disappointed about, and I know this because obviously we've had a, a chat in the past, is that uh, I get to interview a, a, a Spurs fan at the end of the um, the worst season that my team, Chelsea, have had for some time. So I can't even exchange in what we might call football banter with you, really. I mean, I think we both come off a of a sore season, right? I think we're both licking our wounds, and then yeah. to make matters worse, you've you've taken our our ex manager, the kind of the only person that kind of gave me joy as a Tottenham fan in, in my lifetime. So, uh, yeah, let's not let's not talk football. <laughs> no, let's not do that. Although I must say, as a Chelsea fan, I can say a big thank you to you for uh, uh, you know for for Mr. Pochettino. We're looking forward to his arrival and. Uh, well, let's hope we can both have better seasons next year. But uh, anyway, enough of football. Um, it's fantastic to have you with us. Maybe just to kick off, um, I obviously mentioned that you're a client. I haven't mentioned where you're from, but maybe just talk to us a little bit about uh, your career, where where you've ended up, and how you've ended up there, and and really what your day job uh, what your day job entails. Yeah, sure. So. Um, currently, I'm the director of brand and creative content at. Deloitte uh, in the UK um, uh, and it sounds quite a grand job title and sometimes it's it's quite good fun um, uh, most of the time um, but I kind of like to describe that job as telling the story of who we are and what we stand for as a business and trying to find more creative uh, ways to do that so trying to help the brand to think in different ways and, and communicate in different channels um, but you know, my career to date has kind of not been a, a, a linear journey, right? I think some of the most people's aren't. Um, uh, you know, if I look, you know, right the way back, there's a, there's a lovely quote from a guy called James Victory. He's an artist. And he says, the things that make you weird as a kid 
make you great today. Um, and I was a, a weird kid who loved brands. Uh, I had posters on my walls of you know Nike, Adidas, Coca-Cola, but it, but it wasn't just the kind of big name brands. I remember my dad, um, he sold sort of ride-on lawnmowers. He was sort of head of um, sales in the UK for this ride-on lawnmowers company. And one year they sent him a cassette of people uh, telling stories about a brand set to like 80s power ballads and power music. I mean, it is dreadful. And luckily, I think my music taste <laughs> has evolved. But as a kid, I was obsessed with this thing. I would listen to it and I would listen to the stories about, you know, whether it was the sort of autumn season I need to collect leaves or it was this spring I need to collect grass. And I'd have these discussions with my dad about the brand and kind of how you would bring it to life. And, you know, I guess, you know, it's, it's probably not till recently I've sort of made that connection, look back and gone, well, maybe it's one of those things that you you always enjoyed. And even though I'm sure my ideas were terrible, I absolutely loved coming up with them uh, in the car with him. Um, at, at university, I kind of, I guess, deviated from that from that passion. I did a law degree. So whereas my job now is to kind of make the shortest sentences possible, I guess I studied something where I was trying to make the longest sentences possible. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think you know, I look back and I, I go, why did I, why did I pick law? Well, I think I kind of know why I picked law. I, I liked English, I liked history, and I wanted a Ferrari. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I now don't even have an Oyster card, so that kind of worked out, worked out really well. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, I was the first person to go to university in my, in my family, and so I think I naturally strayed to a kind of um, a safer, more kind of uh, academic or more reputable um, topic and I think you know looking back that's good because it gives me something different from from other storytellers and other creatives um but I've kind of worked my way back into kind of I guess that passion I had as a kid um I think one of the the turning points for my career was I was at an asset management company and they ran this sort of global competition for new business ideas and um, I came up with this idea um around sort of wealth management for professional athletes right because um, yeah. their careers are short. They kind of work for 20 years to retire for 40. And I think we're going to work for 40 or maybe longer to retire for 20. And they have a high tendency to spend. And so I came up with this idea, developed this business um, case, and I end up flying to New York, presented to the board on the 39th floor overlooking uh, Central Park. And I ended up winning. And yeah. that was a kind of moment where it was like, wow, that kind of power of creativity, power of coming, coming up with an idea but I don't think the business kind of realized what they wanted to do with me. Um, and I'd always wanted to get into advertising. I tried and failed to get onto graduate schemes, you know, ask questions like life is not a rehearsal. What is 250 words? And you kind of like, <laughs> wow, that, that's some big questions. Um, yeah. And they just hired this chief communications officer. And so I said, look, I want to work with that guy. He was really creative. Um, and I guess he's kind of been a, been a mentor to me. Um, and he ended up creating this role for me, which was, um, sort of internal communications, but with a through a brand lens, and I absolutely mm. love that. And I think that's kind of you know propelled me. Fast forward, um, I, I joined Deloitte um, almost nine years ago now. It will be nine years in July. Um, and it you know throughout my time here, I've done a couple of different roles from internal communications to the the team that I've now built and set up now. But storytelling um, and kind of helping people to connect to a brand is kind of is kind of run throughout that really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And interesting, I um, your idea, by the way, about the uh, wealth management for professional athletes, um, fascinating. My son's a professional athlete. Okay. And, and actually, he plays cricket. And, uh, you know, one of the very first conversations he and I had was 
actually who can you turn to and who can you go to for advice around um, you know the kind of the kind of career that you are about to embark on and there weren't many actually um, yeah. and that was you know maybe five six years ago so I, I, I suspect you're onto a winning idea there um, which is probably why you won actually <laughs> and uh, yeah the other thing is that, that you and I share is is I left university and um, I was told that I should either be an ad man a lawyer or a teacher because they all sort of run around in the same gang they're all about advocacy and uh, I guess and and because um, because uh, I, I suspect I'm probably not the sharpest tool in the box I chose advertising because it was the first one in the careers uh, leaflet because it began with a uh, rather than teaching or the law you know and so I got to advertising and I actually managed to get myself onto a grad scheme at Saatchi's and uh, I never forget I was greeted into the world of advertising by the then graduate recruitment director Tim Mousel who called me up uh, the uh, Saturday after my two days of Thursday Friday with the news and I picked up the phone and I was greeted into the world of advertising with these five words or seven, actually, because I'll give you my name. Gary Lace, welcome to the Pleasure Dome. <laughs> wow. And, and that, wow. Was, that, was my, that was my introduction to Saatchi and Saatchi and their graduate training scheme. Welcome to the Pleasure Dome. And uh, I must say, having had a career uh, in advertising, as you say, you know, incredibly, um, the work you do, the work I've done, the agency I've got now, which really focuses on ideas and the way that you build ideas. It's just a, a magnificent and brilliant way to spend your your time, actually. Um, but thanks for that um, intro. Fascinating. Uh, um, I don't think I've heard many people say that from a young age they were into brands. I've heard a lot of people say they were into advertising, you know, they're into ideas, but I've never really, I don't think I, you might be the first person I've ever heard that said you were genuinely into brands. You know, I don't think there's... As a as a child, I understood what the concept of brand was. So, um, yeah, I said I said I was a weird kid, right? And um, yeah, it's something that's continued now, right? I'm I'm a sucker for a brand and a brand story. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I spend way too much uh, money for a kind of oh, there's a good story. That's it. I need that product, right? So, <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> I'm sure we'll come on um, to that. <laughs> yeah, we will come on to that. Yeah. Um, okay. So, and you know that that's fantastic. You 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 know in that sense you're the perfect guest for this podcast and um uh, and i guess that's one of the reasons why um you know we've invited you on C let's come on to the subject of storytelling and narrative as you know we, we have an agency it's called storians we have a passionate belief in the power of storytelling and the power of narrative to to help businesses tell better stories um you know in more relevant ways but obviously, it's something that you practice day in, day out within the within Deloitte. You know, if you like that, you're the storytelling, um, you know, kind of uh, epicenter, aren't you, of what goes on in Deloitte? So maybe if you could talk, talk, um, you know, for a few minutes about how storytelling has evolved at Deloitte, what you tend to focus on, any of the tricks of the Deloitte trade that you might want to share without um, giving away some of your trade secrets. But uh, yeah, it'd be very interesting to hear. You know, Deloitte is obviously a, an amazing brand. It's obviously hugely dynamic. You know, there's a lot going on within the organization, you know, not least of which your sponsorship of the Olympics next year. And, and, and that's, I know, a very big focal um, point for a lot of your comms. But yeah, talk, talk to us about Deloitte and storytelling and, you know, what the day job entails. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think we, we're on a 
you know that classic phrase and we're on a journey i think with with storytelling i don't think we've 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 cracked it by any means but i think we are making some good progress in some areas and i think the the first part is recognizing that it's really important that we tell our story um you know we have these uh, set of content principles and i'm again i'm happy to kind of share and talk about that um as we go on um and we run some training for for the business but the first slide we open with is um is a quote from Steve Jobs where he says the most powerful person in the world is a storyteller and you know i'm definitely not one to to kind of disagree with the, the great man but i probably build on it and say the most powerful brands in the world are the ones that tell their story mm. um and that's really important not just for I might uh, of- by the way uh, um if you hear in a month's time um, a presentation in which that's the first slide from Storians, um, uh, uh, I'll be unashamed and, and, and say that I've nicked it from you. That's a great thought. It's a great build on Steve Jobs, by the way. Yeah, no, I, I think, um, well, yeah, you, you're more than welcome to, to, to sort of <laughs> steal it and borrow it as your own, Gary. It's not- I'll, put, I'll put your name on the, on the right-hand corner of the chart. Don't worry. There you go. Um, but I think, you know, it's... Um, yeah, yeah, the most powerful brands are the ones that tell their story. And I think I think that's really important, not just from a kind of, um, you know, us people like us in a brand or an advertising or comms background. It's, it's really important from a commercial sense as well. Um, you know, I think in one of the conversations that we've had uh, at Deloitte is that, you know, the way that people make decisions has changed, right? I, I don't think people make decisions to kind of... Um, uh, get what they need necessarily. They they make decisions to reinforce a set of values and beliefs that they hold dear. Um, and so, for people to make decisions about us, either to buy from us as a kind of um, as a business, or to come and spend their careers here and come and work for us, um, we have to do a better job of telling the story of who we are and what we stand for, because that's what's going to help them to make their decision. Yeah. Um, now, clearly, if you're buying a service, you know you've got to get into, get into the nitty gritty details. Are we are we providing the right service? Do we have the right level of expertise? And same with a career. Do we are we paying the right money? Do you like your leader? Do you think there's an opportunity in the role? But I think people make decisions based on that kind of set of values and beliefs first. And so, um, you know, myself and, and my team, and um, you know, have made a case for kind of the need to, to do a better job of telling the story of who we are and what we stand for. I mean, lots of people have heard of the brand Deloitte. Um, some people might know some of the things that we do. Um, uh, and, you know, quite frankly, we can't differentiate ourselves on all the things that we do because we do so much. Yeah. Um, so actually, how do we differentiate ourselves? Well, it is through the story of, you know, who we are and what we stand for. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as I say, we've got to find ways to bring that to life that are, that are interesting and engaging. And, um, yeah, and, and talk, talk, talk about those content principles for, for a moment, would you? Because obviously, um, fascinating, you've got them, um, you know, yeah. in the first place. Uh, and I'd be very interested to hear what they are and, and, and how you apply them. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, we created them uh, two, three years ago. Um and really, it was to help people to think differently about the content they're creating. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, myself and the team that I hired are kind of, we love stories, we love storytelling. And some people would say, oh, we can't, we can't do that. Your team are the best writers or the best storytellers. Um, and I actually think that, you know, while clearly if you have got a passion or a skill for, for writing or for storytelling, you might be kind of that bit further down the line. I think anyone can be a great storyteller. 
Um, and anyone can actually be a great writer to all write things that people want to read. Um, and I think that, you know, one of the biggest challenges was that people weren't thinking about the content they were creating. They didn't have the time. We didn't make the time to think about that. And so um, we set out to make the, um, a kind of a tool, a resource, if you like, that could help people to think differently about the content they're creating. Um, and so we've got seven principles. Um, I'll run through them quickly, but Ooh. I'm happy to kind of jump in. And, yeah, and yeah, yeah, no, please so, do. Principle one is is widen the lens. So understanding that um, you need to connect what you do to kind of the world around you. Um, so often I think businesses in particular are very bad at kind of speaking in a vacuum. This is the thing that I want to talk about or we want to talk about as a business and they forget that anything else is going on in the world or here's my latest report. Well, the word's not waiting for your latest report, but actually it might find some of the, the, the material that you have interesting. Um, inspiration versus desperation, right? I think for a brand like ours, it's really important that we show we come from a place of inspiration. That doesn't mean kind of shying away from difficult mm. um, or kind of greenwashing or purpose washing or whatever, but it does talk about you know hope and what's possible with business and how you can make progress and how you can drive you know the business community, the world, society forward. Um, uh, number three is kind of show who you are. Um, I think it's really important that you know, as we said earlier, around kind of how people make decisions, we have to give people a feeling for who we are as an organisation. Yeah. That's not necessarily telling them; it's, it's kind of showing them, it's letting them in um, underneath the bonnet. Um, number four, though you shouldn't have favourites, is my favourite, um, which is give value. And the opening, you know, each of these principles has a kind of a small bit of text to accompany them. And and the opening piece of text to this principle is, you know, the dinner party guest that only talks about themselves, mm. never gets invited back, and is boring, even if they're doing some amazing things. Yeah. And sometimes we are that dinner party guest. Yeah. We are doing some brilliant things at Deloitte, and we're super excited about telling the world about it, but we just end up talking about ourselves. Yeah. So how do we give value? How do we help our community, our clients, our people in some way? Um, number uh, five is uh, be human, speak human. So it's kind of remembering that you've got a human at the other end and how do we speak to them in a, in a human way? Um, and, you know, and, and largely that involves showcasing our people. You know, like your agency, Deloitte doesn't really make anything, mm. right? There are some small areas that will disagree with that, but largely we have brilliant people. So let's let those people shine. Let's mm. then put them front and centre of what we do. Um, six is story before telling. Um, which I actually borrowed um, from a guy called Graham McDonald. At, at, um, he was at the New York Times, he's now at Time magazine. You know, in the word storytelling, story comes before telling, and there's a reason for yeah, that. Yeah, and, yeah, brilliant. I love that. You, know, you can borrow that one. Yeah, as well. I might do, actually. Uh, and, you know, so often people come to us, I want to start a podcast, I want to make a film. Mm. And actually, that's not their starting point. It's, it's what's the story. Yeah. And, you know, you see big production films or podcasts fail because the story is not there yeah. and you see the things produced in someone's bedroom go massive because the story's strong yeah 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 um, and then the last one is kind of respect busy with excellent you know i think you know in many ways in particular for, for me and my team our biggest competition is people's time yeah it's not pwc or kpmg or any of the other competitors that we would naturally look to as yeah. kind of in our sector it's why would they spend time reading our article or listening to our podcast or watching our film when they could be doing a number of different other things. Yeah. So how do we make sure that we 
kind of really respect that and put make whatever we're making as, as good as it can possibly be. And so we've got a whole set of training around this and we've, we've done various different sessions for people across the t- business, but they're not a set of rules, right? It's really important. Mm-hmm. Nor they are guarantee, right? You can do all of these things and still, you know, your content doesn't pick up on, on LinkedIn or it doesn't, doesn't hit the mark. Yeah. But I do think they kind of prompt you to look at things. And, you know, we did an exercise where we look back at some of the content that we created to kind of pull these together in the first place, but also looking at those people that we admire, whether that be brands or practitioners in our, in our space, what is it that the content they produce or the adverts they write or the, the music they make, it doesn't have to be just in our industry. What, what is special about them? And I think when you kind of cross-check the, the principles, I think they land up really well. You know, look at the books that you kind of enjoy yeah, reading, of article you I, th- I think they marry well the ones that kind of stand out. Yeah, I think that's right. And and listen, I, I think they are. It's I think it's you know great. You call them principles, not rules. Um, I think they're fantastic. And 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 one of the, I mean, two or three things strike me about them. Actually, if I may, just the first is, you know, the reality is in an organisation like Deloitte, and we see it all the time in in the clients that we work with. If you want to build uh, the power of storytelling. Actually, that is a cultural issue for the business. It's something you need to bake into the culture of the entire organization. You need to encourage and excite and motivate and inspire people around the value of storytelling. So it just strikes me that those seven principles aren't there necessarily to judge individual bits of content by, although clearly that's a good use case, but they're probably there to inspire and motivate and teach and encourage people to really bed storytelling into everything that Deloitte do. It, 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 is, that in, is that one of the ways that you use them, do you think? Or is that a kind of byproduct of simply the fact that they're there and people can, you know, access them and, 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 and talk about them? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good question. I think, I mean, you know, uh, I think they're broader than just kind of apply to creative content. But they probably apply to life in yeah. general, right? If you think about yeah. them around kind of, showing enough of who you are i think that's a really important thing um people want to hang around with inspirational people and people who are kind of thinking about hope and possibilities rather than people in shock and all so i I think they do have broader reach and broader appeal Mm -hmm. um you know i think actually it was weird we came we created them from a place to help people and the firm to kind of think differently about their content and then as a byproduct of that we now use them as a way to kind of um uh provide some governance on some of our Mm -hmm. channels right actually this place this comes from a place of desperation let's let's how would you rewrite this or you know we don't show enough of we don't leave enough value with this post why how could we recreate that and so we kind of use it in in that way but it it was primarily designed to sort of to help people to think differently and i think you know that's the other thing is that people always want um like give me the kind of the hack or give me the answer to kind of this and actually i think you know the whole point of these was to kind of make people think differently. And I think actually that thing, that thought process helps you to, to write great content, even if you're not a great writer or you're not a great, great filmmaker. So it's just really knowing that time that actually to kind of um, yeah, challenge yourself really yeah. and, and how you do. And, and I loved, um, <clears throat> and I love story before telling because, you know, again, one of the, one of the things I observe and one of the challenges we often face is people want to tell very quickly but they don't actually want to put the hard yards in to work out what the story is, right? And, yeah. and so what you end up with, in, in, in my view, and I think this is true today more than it's ever been, is you've got a vast amount of stuff out there 
that frankly is con- what I describe as content landfill. It's kind of communication pollution, right? Because, you know, uh, I mean, it, we, you know, we don't have the same kind of principles you have in our in our agency, although we've got some pretty clear guidelines as to what we think works. But, you know, truthfully, it boils down to something so simple as, for goodness sake, write something worth reading, right? You know, and, and I think if you applied that acid test to everything you did, write, you know, make something worth watching, uh, create something worth listening to, write something worth reading. If you actually applied the test yourself in a very honest way and said, is this genuinely worth five minutes of my time? And I love the fact that you're, you know, you say that your competitive set is people's time, not necessarily KPMG or EY or any of those other you know, natural competitors. I think that's so important. But so many people, I think, put the telling before the story in the hope they can just get it out there and that somebody will watch it or listen to it or read it. Yeah, and I think sometimes that comes from a good place because people are kind of keen to communicate their thing, but sometimes it doesn't doesn't come from that good place. Um, just picking up on something you said there, I, I do think, you know, our... Um, you know, Deloitte, obviously, we or any business will partner with agencies like yours. And I think there's something about being a good client uh, in in that. And I, and I, I kind of like to be, take myself as kind of a good client in some ways and a pain in the what's it client in other ways, um, because, you know, I really want us to push and, 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 and be challenged. But I do think that kind of think about that story, you know, sometimes we'll go to an agency, you know, I talk about kind of in-house professionals and I'm speaking, yeah. I'm sure we do it at Deloitte as well, but generally I think as an in-house professional, I think sometimes we look at, we don't necessarily do the thinking that we should do and we go to an agency for a solution mm-hmm. and we've set you up to fail in the first place because we've not thought about the story we want yeah. to tell and we expect you to come up with the bells and whistles, great film or great article mm-hmm. or great podcast or whatever it is. And so actually, how can we do that thinking and be clear about that story we want to tell and have those difficult discussions internally around, okay, well, what is the message that we mm-hmm. want to give to people? What is that story? Mm-hmm. Why would people read this? And then come to you and say, okay, well, how can you help refine this? How can you help work yeah. on this? I, I listen, I, you know, if you did but know it, what you just said is music to my ears and will be music to the ears of many of my colleagues in in, in our agency that are listening to this because... I think there are two elements to that, aren't there? Which is, in partnership, of course, what we would like to receive from any of our clients is a clear definition of what's the story you want to tell. Now, once we have that, we can debate the merits of it and and, and, and enter into discussion about that. But the second one that's also very important that quite often we find it's hard to get to is once you've agreed what you think that story is, why would I believe it? Right. What it is, what is it that you do that makes that story credible? And we have a little test in our agency around truth, meaning and promise. So when a client comes to us and says, this is the story and this is why it's credible, we just ask ourselves, is it true? Do I understand it? And does it offer your potential customers a promise? And you have to get three out of three. You can't, you can't potentially, you just can't possibly build compelling communications in our view if you just got two out of those three, you know, and I think so that's why many of these topics are so important. And I think that's why 
in the case of Deloitte, having somebody like you leading that process or, you know, if you like, holding people to account on that process could only result and can only result in better briefs. And as we know, better briefs result in better work. So, you know, it's fantastically encouraging to hear that. Yeah, I I think your point about truth is really important. And I, I definitely wrestle with that sometimes as, you know, I think some of part of my job is to tell you know, a more confident story. I, I remember speaking to um, uh, someone who talked about kind of, you know, B2B and storytelling in B2B. And, and he, he said, um, you know, you need to think about your body language as an mm. organization. You know, how can you, you know, be confident, but not kind of yeah. arrogant, but equally. And so sometimes there are things that we do in an organization that we don't tell a good story about that are absolutely amazing. And so part of my job is to kind of give that a bit of oomph and a bit of confidence and kind of really tell that in a way that that lands and does, you know, justice to the firm. Equally, there are other things that, you know, like any business, we're, we're working hard on our climate credentials and our inclusion stories and things like that. And so there's other areas where we have to be careful that we're not kind of going out and say things that, we're, that aren't true or kind of aren't quite there where they are on, on the journey. And so I think... Sometimes a great story can kind of inspire people to do more, and that's that's great. That's why you should tell it. But other times, it might not be right to tell it yet because we're still working that through. And I think that's something that myself and my team kind of have to, to to balance things. But you know, where there are things that we're doing in the organisation that you know we don't tell this story yeah. very well, um, and and a great example of that is so when you leave Deloitte, um, we take your laptop we wipe it, we recondition it, and we give it to somebody in need. So it speaks to kind yeah. of our values. It speaks to sustainable <clears throat> economy. Um, did we tell people we did that? No. So this is a lovely moment. And a lot of people come back to Deloitte or they end up being clients yeah. of Deloitte. We don't give them this positive feeling. Where actually, if you were to leave and say, Gary, you've done a great job. You you know one last good deed before you leave. Give your laptop back. We're going to give it to somebody who who needs it. You get this massive kind of leaving yeah. on a high. Whatever your experience of Deloitte, whether it's been good or bad, that kind of stays with you. What if we then got in touch with you three months later and said, "Hey, Gary, hope your new job's yeah, working yeah, out yeah. well. Just let you know your laptop's in Manchester with a refugee from Ukraine." Like these are kind of that storytelling yeah. moments that we 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 were doing the act. We just didn't tell the yeah. story very well. Um, but then there are other things where actually we need to, to, to do the act first before we can before we yeah, can tell yeah, the story. Yeah. So that truth no, it's, is really it, it is, and it, I mean that comes neatly onto the the the, the thing I wanted to talk, talk to you about next, really, which is um, finding those stories and finding where those stories sit in any organisation is really really key, isn't it? I mean when we as you know, we rebranded our business um, last year to, 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 to Storians because we spoke to a lot of clients and they said, look, you know, um, storytelling is really important, you know, and what we know about our business is we don't tell enough of them, we don't tell enough of them well enough, but actually we don't really find enough of them either, despite the fact we know they're there because our day job isn't about finding those stories. And, you know, as, as you've just articulated brilliantly with that example of the of the laptop that, that that gets wiped and handed to somebody very meaningful. Um, where do you find them? I mean, how do you do? You have a mechanism? Do you have a framework? Do you do you have a process that helps you find the best stories? Because 
you know, he who tells the best stories or he or she who tells the best stories wins. But by definition, you've got to find them first. Yeah, if if I was kind of hoping you would tell me how to, <laughs> to find them best. It's um, it is a challenge that we face as well, right? Um, you know, uh, there are things that we have done. Um, so um, back uh, 2016, we created a kind of um, our, the Deloitte's purpose is to make an impact that, mm. that matters, right? Um, and we created a kind of uh, this um, program called the Impact Awards, where we are encourage people to share their stories of work they've done and the difference that it's made and why that work has mattered. And then we kind of rewarded those people with kind of great experiences. So, you know, we used our partners like the um, the Team GB and sent some of them to, to Rio and uh, for the Olympics yeah. and that type of thing. But actually, the, the, the important piece of that, that competition beyond the, the kind of winners was that it gave us a yes. pipeline of stories. And some of those stories were just shared internally. Some of them made our annual report. Some of them we did sort of advertising and communications around. And so actually that sort of competition or that activity, if you like, was one way to discover it. Um, and that still continues to this day. That's still a, a rich source of, of stories. I, I do think we need to help people in the business. And it's one of the things that, you know, that, that my team and others in the kind of um, marketing communications function needs to do to help you know, everyday practitioners, because, you know, my job, I guess, is responsible for seeing some of the stories you'll see out there on our kind of our main corporate channels. But of course, our practitioners, much like people in your agency, will be working with yeah. clients every day. And so their ability to tell stories um, of either of the work that we've done or the things that we believe as a business that kind of reinforce, you know, why you're working with Deloitte on a particular project and give them the sort of confidence to do that. That's something I, th I think we have mm. more to do. Um, and then, of course, it kind of it breathes itself anyway. Um, the the other, other point I'll kind of kind of touch on is when you've got a great story, and I guess the principles kind of speak to this, is make sure we yeah. tell it in the right way as well and, and be clear on why you're telling it. So, um, you know, when I first joined Deloitte, um, this was many, many years ago now, I found out that Deloitte played a kind of a big role in, the, in creating BBC right. iPlayer. Right. And uh, again, it was before my time, but how I imagined Deloitte would have told that story would have been, you know, it was a digital transformation project. It was many hours, with, you know, lots of people working very hard. It was X amount of fee for the, from, the, from the client. Instead of kind of like, we've changed the way that yeah, people yeah, watch yeah. TV. Like yeah, that's the story, yeah. right? And so I think it's helping people to kind of, kind of reframe that and have a bit of creative license and kind of, kind of um yeah feel confident to do that i think i think that's really really important um in helping our, our yeah and 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 um just coming on to your practitioners i mean obviously we we share a, an interest in and 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 some experience of professional services and you know i think it's fair to say and i don't think anybody would necessarily throw custard tarts in my direction for saying this that the professional services world has not historically always been seen to knock it out of the park creatively um uh, and and it, and it doesn't necessarily always cover itself in creative glory um you know professional services firms rarely make the hallowed turf of can um you know you rarely see them at the top of creative award ceremonies um and i just wonder whether um whether you would agree with this assertion that in an environment where you've got 
some highly, highly intelligent, probably some of the most intelligent clients I've had the pleasure of working with, actually, in my career across B2B and B2C, and who, by definition, are also experts in their field, a particular field um, that, that, that may span tax or it may span audit or it may span consulting or it may span a particular sector, or that the combination of that high level of intellect and the expertise doesn't always lend itself to the ability to tell the most compelling, inspiring, heartwarming, uh, motivating stories. Do, do you think that's fair? And if so, you know, have you found ways in which you can, if you like, kind of solve that conundrum? I think it's very fair. Uh, and I think it was very. Well. Um, <laughs> I'm conscious that I may have one or two of my clients who listen to this, and I wouldn't want them to think that I think anything other than there was, you know, pure professional love for their intellect and ability to be experts. But sometimes, sometimes we struggle, um, you know, to extol the virtues of storytelling in that context. Yeah, I, th- I think I think it's true, um, and you know, I think you know, if you think it, it's not just. Deloitte, but if you think of organisations like Deloitte, where you do have that high level of intellect and expertise, I think historically we might have hired a, a certain type of person in the organisation, and that's yeah. changing massively. And so I think that kind of you know, if I think forward looking um, around how can we be more creative, how can we tell our story, I think that kind of broader skill set, that more um, that higher EQ, that kind of need to kind of communicate in this way, will will shift that. I mean, a fascinating thing I find about um, Deloitte is that our average age is like mm. like 31 right 80 percent of our people are under yeah. the age of 40 which is which is a story which that, is by the way that's a story you should be telling yeah it's, yeah. it's crazy isn't it so in that in many senses it's a very young it feels like we're a young organization so what they need to see in terms of you know their role of stories and i think stories of you know you and i will kind of say this for, for the duration of time yeah. stories have been important but the way that stories take shape now and how you have to tell them quickly and organizations like us need to be more creative to cut through yeah. because of the noise all we need to find you know a big thing for us is like how do we find our community of people that share that kind of vision for the world that that are that we share that yeah. we believe as a brand that's the people yeah. that we need to communicate to and not yeah. not everybody i think you know deloitte in particular is a heavily you know we do such a, a breadth of things which is for me creatively fascinating because one minute we can have a voice on something you know gender or race the next minute we're talking about financial crime the next minute we can touch all these amazing topics but because of that we have lots of different personality types and lots of profiles to risk or to creativity within the business and so sometimes you can be um you know you know you can have an idea that gets chipped away and chipped away and you end up kind of not really saying anything. And I think that's probably true of professional services as well, right? Whether that's because we um, hire so many sort of bright peoples and very logical people and they don't necessarily see the value in that emotional piece. But, but equally in, in their kind of private lives, these are the people yeah, that go course. into galleries, <laughs> they go into the theatre. So they of do course. understand storytelling. It's just almost they make this disconnect when when yeah. when it's there. So I think it's trying to see that. And so... We do do a lot of time speaking to our leaders and trying to make them feel uh, and kind of understand the importance of storytelling yeah. in, in our business, but also just yeah. in general. I, I, and I, I remember thinking, 
almost in my third or fourth day um, in advertising way back when, you know, pure B2C. And I came across my first B2B kind of agency and my first B2B, and they talked about this line and this differentiation between B2C and B2B. And, and I used to think, how weird is that? Because, because actually this, the person that we're talking to uh, happens to be watching TV at nine o'clock with his family or his or her family or their family. Um, and the person that, that, that you're talking to, the B2B agency, that person just happens to be at work. But it's not like they're a different person. It's not like they've got a different set of emotions. They're just, you're just talking to them at a different time of the day in a different place. And so this notion that somehow you've got to speak to them in a, a better, you know, in a different way, I've always found a bit bonkers, if I'm honest, because, you know, one of the things that we're the only thing we say about, you know, since the dawn of time uh, that you just referred to, or, you know, for, for time immemorial, we just say this really, which is there's loads changed about the world, right? Masses. But there is one thing that has not changed since the dawn of time. And that is the first person that stepped onto the savannah felt exactly the same emotions that you and I have felt this week. Joy, hope, anxiety, love, hate, surprise, trust. All of those emotions have not changed at all. And, and so one of the things we say a lot is, you know, when people come to us and they ask us about, about storytelling and advice about communications is, of course, it's about what story do you want to tell? Of course, it's about, you know, um, is, is, you know am, I, am I likely to believe it? But also we ask them, what emotion do you want to evoke? You know, what are you asking people to feel? Because actually, if you can get them to feel something, you can get them to do something. So, and all this sounds so obvious and basic, but I think in the midst of quite a lot of things that end up complicating it, uh, it, it those basic things get lost, don't you think? Oh, definitely, definitely. And I mean, I mean, I, I, um, you know, I'm the importance of like data in in B two B is is obviously you know is is really important and, and measurement. <laughs> I do have a challenge with it, though, um, in terms of, um, you know, you don't kind of uh, fatten a pig by constantly weighing <laughs> yeah. it, right? Um, and and I think sometimes that data can skew you in, yeah. and overcomplicate things, right? To your point, this the dreaded C-suite. We, oh, we have to communicate with the C-suite. Well, they're just people, and they're getting lots of other communications from people who are kind yeah. of treating them like the C-suite. Let's, let's treat them like people. Uh, let's kind of engage with them. Um, and actually, you're just going back a question when you I was, it just came into my mind when you were saying then, actually, a great way to kind of have a license for creativity or more emotional space storytelling is endorsement yeah. from clients. There is nothing more powerful. Um, back in 2015, I made a, a film called Ask Yourself. It's about um, respect and inclusion. And it was, you know, kind of uh, in some ways ahead of its time, right? It opens with... Uh, a black guy sat on his sofa, he rips his face off um, and it says, you know, to reveal a white person, so mm. are you more comfortable now? And um, the idea was to try and make people think differently about their behaviours. Um, we put it on YouTube, we didn't do any promotion around it because that's not why we made it. We made it to make our people think differently. But we put it on YouTube for ease of sharing and some of our people shared it. 
Um, and I'll never forget the kind of our, our UK COO at the time got a phone call from a big hotel chain in America said, we've seen your film. We absolutely love it. We want to show it to all our people. Yeah. Can, can we do that? And then them seeing then the power of that storytelling, I think has, has helped. So there have been moments with that, whether it be the, the film, we did this thing called the light bulb list around COP26 and most recently our podcast. Once clients come and say, oh, I absolutely love yeah. listening to that or I was listening to your thing, it, it kind of gives that that that, that vindication. Should it have to? Uh, possibly not, but it doesn't, no, no, no. It doesn't I, hurt. Yeah, I, I, I have think that's right, there. actually. Um, um, absolutely fascinating, Matt. I, I, I want to come on and talk about one final thing, which you just referenced, actually, your podcast. I'm going to come on and talk about that because – uh, but before I do, we'll, we'll do a we'll do a quick shout out, I think, to your colleague Annabelle, because um, for those of you who don't know Annabelle Rake, she's she's a very senior marketing leader within Deloitte and is um, uh, and is leading the charge uh, amongst many other things in Deloitte's relationship with with the Olympics currently, and um, has recently just been put in the uh, group of some of the most influential marketers within professional services globally, which is a project we've been involved in with b2b but a, a quick shout out to annabelle because she is the person who connected us uh and 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 having i think maybe uh read or listened to one of our podcasts said uh, said to me that she thought you'd be a fantastic guest and so if she's listening thank you because matt has been uh, and this has been an amazing uh, 35 40 minutes talking about storytelling so i think we should do a shout out to annabelle and the second thing is as somebody who loves a podcast i thought i would give you the opportunity to promote your own podcast because I know it's um I know it's a project you're very proud of I know it's something that you you know feel is a really important part of Deloitte's storytelling so I just thought to end given you've been so kind with your time and you've been so generous with your uh, points of view and, and and sharing what you're up to uh, it's commercial break time for you Matt tell us about your podcast <laughs> Oh, that's very kind, Gary. Uh, and, and also to echo your points on Annabelle. Um, actually, it's weird. I think she connected us twice. Once around being on the podcast and second. Yeah, she did. Rick exactly Rubin's right. Rick Rubin's book, which is in itself, that. you know, uh, heartily recommended, isn't it? On being creative. Absolutely magnificent. It's yeah. a fantastic read. But, um, but yeah, so we have um, a podcast called The Green Room. Um, uh, it's been going about four years. Um, and, uh, you know, a nice point is that we never set out to make a podcast. I wasn't really a podcast listener. And we had a challenge that some of our insight reports won't, weren't being as read as much internally as we wanted. So I set my two of my uh, team a challenge and said, what, what can we do to change this? And they came back and said, oh, we've, we've got to do a podcast for these reasons. And I was like, okay. And so we actually, Annabelle and and Joe Uvery, another um, senior partner at Deloitte, we, we pitched them this idea and they said, okay, you can do a pilot. And in our minds, we were never doing a pilot, but um, I'm probably just giving the game away now. Um, but yeah, we've now, we've now, next week will be episode 50. Um, and it's just, honestly, it's because it's, we didn't know what we were doing. We've had to learn everything from scratch. We've made every mistake. But because of that, we've pushed ourselves and challenged ourselves. And, you know, I probably learned more about storytelling in kind of the four years of developing this and thinking about how we tell a story through podcasts. And it's you know, a fantastic learning piece. But, um, yeah, it really kind of gives yeah. us a voice on the issues that matter. So we typically have a Deloitte person um, and a non-Deloitte person. And we'll talk about things from, you know, what will be the last job on earth um, to... You know, will AI help us be more human? Um, and we've just done a big um, advertising push around it in the UK in, in May. 
Um, and, you know, we've broken into, because of that, I think we've broken into the top 10 of the business podcasts yeah. for Apple and, and Spotify. Um, but really, again, it's, you, again, it kind of helped shape the content principles. It came before the principles, actually. And, you know, when you're making a podcast, people could listen to, you know, the Stephen Bartlett podcast or the High Performance yeah. or whatever podcast they listen to. It's not a given that they're going to listen to the Deloitte one. So we really have to make something that is worthy of their time. And um, so we really push ourselves. Yeah. And, yeah. We're still learning. Um, yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, thanks for kind of the, no, the, the kind of. Yeah, not, not at all. And um, I, I can speak from personal experience. Very, very well worth a listen. And, uh, you know, I, I think, a, you know, again, a great reminder, just as we were saying earlier, you know, write something that uh, is worth reading. You know, the podcast is always about, you know, can you put together um, people worth listening to? And uh, I can happily confirm, by the way, that on that basis, I've I've personally scored 10 out of 10 today with you because uh, not only have you been our first client, um, but it has been a, a fantastic uh, um, opportunity, actually, for me to just chat and share and learn uh, and understand. And, and, and certainly I've learned a huge amount. And uh, memo to self, by the way, I'm going to get a few more clients on this podcast. So Matt, thank you very much indeed for your time today. That's great, Gary. Thanks ever so much for, for inviting me. Um, I, I think we've done a quite a good job of sticking to time. When we met beforehand, I thought we might be like two excitable puppies talking about storytelling and we could be on for days. So you've done a great job of keeping well, us the yeah. time. And, well, listen, um, but, uh, offline and outside of this podcast, um, uh, I think I should probably buy you lunch to thank you and we can have a, a storytelling two hours. That would be fantastic. Thanks a lot, Matt. That sounds great. Cheers, Gary. Cheers, Gary.